0: It's Kellen and today on Diversified Game you are getting some presidential candidate game. I even put on my flag merch for Diversified Game for this one so you know it's special. Today we have Mrs. Jade Simmons, Operation Restore, Operation Restoration 2020. You see it on her backdrop but she's running for president. Mrs. Jade, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Kellen. Oh, man, it's so great to
0: have you. And I want everyone to look in the description box below, whether you're on the podcast or on the YouTube, wherever, and make sure they subscribe to your newsletters and follow what you have going on. Such a, a beautiful history, background. Can you tell the people about yourself?
1: Yeah, you know, I was looking at kind of all the other interviews you've done, and the topic matter is, is really right after my own heart, because my entire life has been diversifying my own game, right? So in a long story, very short, I went to school to be a classical concert pianist. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, originally. And the way that life does in such a beautiful way is it threw me, it threw me a bunch of incredible detours. So I lived out that childhood dream of being a classical concert pianist also ended up uh, foraying into the world of professional speaking. And so now today, I combine the two, music, inspiration, entertainment, to transform audiences on the spot. Uh, I also am a minister, an author, and a coach. And, uh, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, I'm doing the impossible. I mean, you you can't diversify any more than this, but I've taken all of the, the skills that I've acquired over the years and the leadership that I've acquired And I'm looking at what the times call for, and that's how I end up right now in the race for president in 2020.
0: And I also want to say, looking at some of your Instagram uh, pictures, you know, um, mother, wife, those titles in themselves are enough to, you know, be able to say, hey, I can manage my household. And I want to put that out there because some people will want to know. Is she married if she's not, you know, because if you're not married nowadays, for some reason, you can't do anything um, to some. So I want to make sure I put that out there. But you are definitely whole just with that resume alone.
1: I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're talking to a wife. I'm uh, married to my high school sweetheart, also from Charleston, South Carolina. We've been together since we were 15 years old, if you can imagine. And we have two children. My son, my oldest is 12, and my daughter is six. And just like the rest of the country, suddenly we're homeschooling, right? So uh, it's an experience. Uh, when, when we launched the campaign earlier this year, you know, no one knew that COVID was on the way and so we're campaigning in this very unusual circumstance uh, already unusual as an independent and i'm still running my household and uh, you know playing all the role, all the roles right mother and wife and candidate but i think you you hit the nail on the head kellen you know what the what the times call for right now is someone who is measured who's principled who understands what it means to birth a thing to understand who understands what it means to really see something through from beginning to end, and to serve more people than not? You know, to really uh, make a play now for talking talking about diversifying the game. We, we're in for. Our, we need a whole new infrastructure for the way we do America, not just the way we do the economy, but the way we do America. And I think the way you guarantee that won't happen is you put another long term politician in office or someone who promised to clean the swamp and is actually swimming in it pretty comfortably
0: <laughs> which most of them do i I've interned on the hill I've had mm-hmm. run and and helped with different political projects locally and and you know statewide nationally but the the problem is it's the same old same old so I, we definitely like fresh faces now the number one problem you know people will say is one, do you have the money? Two, an independent has never won, yeah. you know, the presidential election, you know, ever. And so, which I could maybe kind of debate that, but most people don't want to go back that far. But talk about, you know, what are you going to do and how are you going to have a a chance at winning? Because some people say, I don't want to throw away my vote, which I don't feel that. I don't I feel understand. it to
1: throw away. I feel you. I I think all of those are valid concerns. Look, if you're not concerned right now about uh, a non-politician being in office after you've seen the current administration, I would wonder what's wrong with you, right? But if we're honest, when we like what our leaders do, it has nothing to do with their political experience. When we don't like what they do, it has nothing to do with their lack of political experience. It has to do with who they are their character and what they prioritize my promise to the american people is that i will always prioritize people over profit over partisanship over division uh, over personal gain every single time and i keep saying if you want to know how your leaders lead you look at how they've lived people will say well i voted for president trump because he was a businessman yeah but did you did you check out how he did business because he can only operate in the same way that he's operated before he's not going to suddenly Take office and become a new person. He only sees the world in two spheres winners and losers. And his definition of winning is to have success, money, and power at all costs. So it's an ironic situation that the people who are uh, seriously supporting him are some of the ones who will lose out the most in his administration. And so, you know, people have valid concerns. How are we doing this? Look. I'm an entrepreneur. When have we ever said no because of lack of funds or because it hadn't been done before? That's what entrepreneurs do. America is full of entrepreneurs who right now, by the way, uh, have gotten screwed over with that recent stimulus, but that's a whole other story. Uh, So what we're doing is this is you can't get any more grassroots than what we're doing. We want to prove a couple of things here. We have all sorts of ulterior motives in this run. We want to prove that you should not have to spend a billion dollars to win a campaign. That's that's a travesty. I know Bernie Sanders was saying that billionaires are an abomination. Listen, spending billions of dollars to attain power is an abomination. That's money that could be funding some of the programs you know politicians say they champion. So we are grassroots. I also believe in having skin in the game. The first part of this campaign, I funded myself. Um, in fact, in the matter of integrity, you'll see us reporting things we don't even have to report i reported money that i spent before i was officially in the campaign because i don't want anybody to ever go back um, and say that we weren't being up front so we're running this thing with integrity we plan to go down as the least expensive most efficiently run (laughs) campaign in the history of the country and you talk about that history independents are always um, positioned and talked about and angled as being the spoilers That wasted vote thing, you talk about get my blood boiling, Kellen. Listen, a wasted vote is voting for somebody you don't really believe in out of fear of the other person. A wasted vote is when you vote for status quo that you have no proof is going to do anything for you. A wasted vote is saying, I stand behind, enter candidate name here, and you can't prove they stand behind you. I think that that rhetoric has always been used to scare especially minority uh, demographics into lining beho- behind a party that really hasn't proven they're there to push us forward.
0: So, so true. The, all of that is so true. I, I voted for um, a, a woman um, when Donald Trump and Hillary <laughs> went at it, but it was Jill Stein. People said, "You're oh wow,
1: yeah. that's blasphemy right there." Everybody's saying already, "Do you want to be Jill Stein 2.0? You know, <laughs> and I say, "Listen, I." I can only be Jade Simmons, right? I can only be Jade Simmons to the nth degree. And instead of us lining up, and when I say us, you know, people assume that because I'm African-American and female, that the vote I'd be splitting is the black vote. Here's people that understand, I run very openly on my faith as well because I feel like Christianity has been hijacked on the right. I do not see my Christian principles represented by the Republican Party right now. I see the exact opposite. So we do also believe a lot of our funding, Kellen, is going to come from people who look, they're the muted middle, they're looking around on both sides, it's too extreme. There are people of faith who do not believe that Donald Trump is their savior. They believe in their father in heaven, not their father in the White House. And, but they also can't vote as far to the left as the options that they see. And so, you know, it's, I'm proud to offer myself up as an option for people who understand There's a lot more common ground to be found. There's a lot more opportunity for unity, but we have to be able to have our voices heard. So that's why I thank you, Kellen. You know, we've had media that says point blank, we don't cover independence. we've had media that said point blank, I'm not going to cover you. You're a distraction. You're going to split the vote. Well, the media is supposed to cover the story, period. And right now, because of fear, you'll see even the media um, suppressing stories because they don't want to be, seen as the person giving shine to someone who might actually have something powerful to say.
0: And that's the beauty of today's times that we have the independent alternative media that can reach millions, tens of millions. And what I told you, you know, before we started was Again, this is a vetting hour for my other clients who have audiences um, even larger than mine. I'm the influencer yeah. who influences the influencers, right? Here we go, here we go. Yeah, so I, I love that. Tell us the people, you know, what are some of the issues? Because a lot of times the, the right will say they want to kill all your babies in abortion and they want to take away your guns. And to many folks, especially yeah. in the South where you're from, so you, should, you understand this, I'm sure. Do you want to take their, their guns away? Because that
1: alone will have
0: people running for the hills buying more guns.
1: That's right. And you know, you know what that is? That's messaging. And, and this is what I always say. Why are we hiding behind these party lines that are hell-bent on division at all costs. So they're going to say whatever they have to say to make sure you stay scared behind their line. Now, are they actually going to serve you? That still remains to be seen. But what they'll do is talk in a way that causes you not to really voice how you feel. I want to deal with the most divisive issues in this country because if we don't talk about them, we'll never solve them. You talk about guns, I'll do you one better. You mentioned abortion. Listen, I don't call myself pro-choice or pro-life because I feel like both sides um, are not being honest about the issue. I consider myself someone who believes in the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb. I can't mm-hmm. be caring about unborn babies, and I don't care about what happens with them when we take them off a snap during the middle of COVID. I can't be caring about unborn babies when I don't care about babies who are, being, you know, are dying at the border. And so I say, you've got to go all the way through. If you're truly pro-life, you care about people from the womb to the tomb. You care about the mother who's considering abortion. If you're truly pro-choice, you also want to make sure that women can choose life powerfully. Why do we call it reproductive rights? We're never talking about the right to actually reproduce. So if you want to reduce abortion, which I would love, and who's going to disagree with me, Kellen? Who would raise their hand and say, I think we need more abortion? Nobody wants more abortion. What we're concerned about is telling a woman that she can't have the right to do what she thinks is best. I think that abortion is a stain on the soul of the country. I'm going to put it out there and be honest, so nobody has to wonder where I'm guessing. I don't believe that the way to decrease abortions is to roll back Roe v. Wade. That's going to be symbolic, because people will do what they feel they need to do, especially when they feel desperate. If we're serious on the pro-life side about reducing abortions, then what we must do is make sure women are not having abortions out of victimization out of loss of livelihood, there are women, and we look at the stats on abortion. You know, the right will always tell you, you know, like you said, we can't be killing all these babies. The left will say, what about rape and incest? Well, the truth is the cases of rape and incest are very small. The people who are having abortions, most of them are already mothers. They have one or two kids. They're saying, look, this was a slip up. This This is not what we planned. If we go through with this, we're going to, our livelihood is going to change. We can't afford it. We need to make sure that a woman is getting paid equally in the workplace so that if she does have a slip up, she can say, you know what? I'm still going to bring this life into the world because I can afford to. We should be looking at maternal health care. You know, the VA has an incredibly horrible record where maternal care is concerned. Why is there so much infertility coming out of the VA? So I want to help women to be able to produce powerfully if that is what they want to do, and I want to make sure that if they are choosing abortion, it's never because they're being forced to choose it, whether it's situational, money-wise, victim, victimization. So that's a much broader discussion that nobody wants to have because yes. it's in the middle, right? It doesn't make you line up on one side or the other.
0: And you hit everything that people talk about in those issues, and I think that you know most people can find they, they can you know, connect with that. One thing I always say is on that issue, men um, shouldn't be as vocal. We shouldn't see more old white men usually talking about this and we see them putting the women together that it really impacts, especially when you talk about you know victims, of rape and abuse but you know just all together let the women talk about these things and be the head the men shouldn't be so. i'm gonna push you on that
1: kellen i'm gonna push you back on that a little bit listen you slip up woman gets pregnant she Mm. decides to have that baby she's coming for you if she wants to for child support right Mm. now you didn't say you wanted the baby but she gets to come to you and say you have to help me support this baby so mm-hmm. I think when we talk about abortion, especially when we know that many women are uh, choosing it, even when they, when they already have families, that's a discussion that's probably going on as well between her and her spouse, her and her partner in a lot of cases. So I think we have to be careful how we treat men in this. I don't believe that the only way to lift women up is to keep men out of the room. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It is, it is a horrible image to see a bunch of older white men making decisions for Uh, an issue that impacts, obviously, not their demographic. But the truth is there are a lot of women who believe like I do, and we're not accepted by um, a lot of women on the left, because they say, look, if you don't just point blank say, pro-choice no matter what, we're not gonna hear you. On the right, they say, if you're not gonna say pro-life no matter what, we don't wanna hear you. So then you have this middle demographic. People say, who's gonna vote for you, Jade? You said, how do you even have a chance? Because there are millions of Americans that feel just like what we're talking about, but nobody's saying it, right? So for once now, we get a voice that's saying, you're not going to make me demonize one side or the other. I'm going to put all my energy in finding out where is the common ground. What can we all agree on? And that issue, if we're pro-human, we care about all lives. So let's start there. I believe when you look at the issue of abortion, here's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, I used to work in, as an advocate for suicide prevention as well. But the other reason I'm so passionate about life is because if we're being honest, all the millions of babies that are not here, Martin Luther King, there had to be one of those in there, had to be a Gandhi in there, had to be a Mother Teresa that we don't have, has to be a Kellen Coleman in there. Hmm. That has to be. It would be arrogant to think that we were the only ones that survived That, you know, are brought into life and are making an impact. We've lost cures. We've lost world leaders. We've lost solutions. And so I believe that if we look at people as our most valuable resources, we'll begin to value life differently and really look for ways to help women be able to reproduce safely and powerfully.
0: So so true, and for the men, you know, you say if I if I if it was me, first of all, I, I tell my wife, I my grandmother had thirteen. She wants us Ooh. to beat her record. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm all for that, but my my wife, being a you know a, a physician and being a business owner, she's like I'm done. And for me, she's like, you want any more? I'm yeah. like, I don't want to push anyone. Over their their limit, you know. Be respectful yeah. because I don't have to pop one out, so I'm I'm more on the the right side of things. Respect,
1: me. Kellen. Respect is the word. Can yeah. we have? And you're having respectful conversation. The reason I push back on the man point is because I want. I believe that we can lift demographics that have been oppressed up, and that doesn't mean that as you lift one demographic up, that is newly engaging in rights that it has been stripped of before. Doesn't mean you always have to take away rights from another source. I'm thinking specifically, um, you know, in the era of Me Too, where you finally have victims getting a voice. But when it's convenient, right, you know, we don't always hear, we don't, we can go there or not, but when it's convenient, you don't always hear the stories. Also, I'm a mother of a son and a daughter. You better believe if something happens to my daughter, I want her defended, wildly, because I'm Mama Bear, right? I'm going to be there speaking up for her. And I'm going to believe her and we're going to dig to find out what the truth of the story is. But if my son is accused, I also want to know he's going to have a fair trial that he's going to be presumed innocent, you know, until proven guilty. And I think we have to be careful about the lopsidedness. And I think there are a lot of Americans who feel the same way.
0: Well, yeah, and there's a lot of laws that, I mean, we have a lot of laws, but there are a lot of tweaks that we need because once you are accused, you're pretty much guilty. You can't make a living because whatever job you had or business, and, and those are such big issues. But, but but before we even go there, what about the gun issue? Do Because someone's waiting just to hear that. Do you want to take the gun away or will you let them have the fully automatic, you know, Uzi that some people just die to
1: have? I live in Texas. So, you know, this is, this is gun country here. I'm from South Carolina. Um, I don't personally own a gun, but I plan to. We've had a series of uh, break-ins in our very nice neighborhood, right? Where you're living in all the places they tell you this stuff doesn't happen. And you realize right now that crime is everywhere it wants to be. Mm -hmm. And we want to protect. We just haven't made the time to do it. Um, I don't have a problem with guns, it themselves. I don't have a problem with every American wanting to protect their home. Do we need automatic weapons, the same type, types that you need for war? No, we don't need that. Uh, but here's, here's where the discussion gets off, off kilter and why we never come to a solution. Uh, I used to work in suicide prevention, and I started doing that right when Columbine happened. You might be too young to, to remember <laughs> Columbine, but that, that was like, right one of the first big school massacres and i we didn't know it was going to become a hot button issue uh, when i was working in that issue and here's the here's the thing there's a discussion that needs to be had about how these hands are getting these guns are getting in the hands of these people and i also think the discussion is not to blame it all on mental illness because we know the majority of people with mental illness are not violent so that's what i mean by the rhetoric i do believe there needs to be some more common sense gun control here's what i also believe most American gun owners agree. All we see, though, are the extremists, you know, who take my guns and pry them out of my dead, cold hands. And we see the don't tread on me. But then we see all these, this hypocrisy, right? We, we see guys at the state capitol, you know, white guys, uh, with their guns, brandishing their guns, saying they don't want to stay home. But then, you know, those are the same people who tell other demographics, mostly minorities, mostly black and brown people, to listen to the law, obey the law. You know, we only got gun control when you saw Black Panthers (laughs) running around the streets with guns, suddenly, you know, the NRA was okay with gun control. So these are hard conversations that we have to have. I do believe we need more common sense gun control. I don't think we have to get rid of all guns, but I think we need to be sensible about what types of guns need to be in the hands of everyday Americans.
0: Okay. And, and that makes sense. And that only happened in, in my state of California, where, you know, it's to, to have a gun, you have to ask Congress um, to get the approval, it seems, you know, because there's no type of castle law or anything. So I know people who have government jobs who've used them, or got in car accidents, and actually have had to do time because they had a firearm while trying to exit their things there's a lot of you know but those and that's the common
1: sense right we had I think think that was here in Houston um where it was either a I think a pro ball player who had a gun on him in a restaurant and the and the gun went off and shot him in the leg and he got in (laughs) trouble for that I mean mean, he shot himself um I I think we've just we've got to be wiser this is an era that calls for wisdom It, it can't be game playing it can't be us um, playing to our base. We're beyond that now. Coming out of COVID-19, we're going to have to actually be the United States. And the way you do that is not through divisive rhetoric designed to scare people into staying on one side or the other.
0: They do such a they do such a good job at just pushing those issues, and I, I find that it's the people. I remember you're too young to remember George Carlin, but he would talk about how the country is bought and sold, and, and it's you know you can say something that makes sense, but they throw so many millions into just pushing the negative. Yeah. What? are you going to do about that? Because you're not affiliated yet with a party. You are an independent. But it's not like you're with the Green Party or have any major backing. Are you
1: even considering that? No, I'm not. Because it would, it would damage everything I'm trying to do. Listen, I don't have a problem with political parties. I have a problem with the way that, what, the, what they've manifested into, what they've turned into. Um, I believe that what we're building is really a party of its own. It's people who say, I, I stand firm. On issues, You know, that's why we don't say we're in the mute in the middle, even though I do believe I'm representing a muted middle, meaning all the different facets that are no longer getting a voice, because if they don't sound exactly like Nancy Pelosi's, you can't hear them. If they don't sound exactly like Donald Trump, you're not going to hear them. And, you know, we as Americans have to open our eyes and say, how is it really serving us? This is fear based uh, policy. Politics. I believe if I were to align right now with one side or the other, which I, and I, I personally don't, I, I did not know what I was going to do going to the polls <laughs> this year. When you don't know what to do, you might be the answer you're looking for, right? So yeah. I, I literally, it would be disingenuous of me to align with any party right now. Um, I'm looking at the libertarian candidate, Justin Amash. Who I'm honestly a little disappointed. I was hoping he'd run as a, as a pure independent. Uh, and so I see him leaning more libertarian. Listen, we're all libertarians to some degree. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We saw that with, with the reopening. We, you can, What, tell me to stay home? Who are you talking to? What, tell me to come out my house? Who are you talking to, right? It's like, we, Americans have a rebel, maverick DNA, which I think is an incredible part of um, our God-given identity. But it does shoot us in the foot sometimes. But I think if we look at these parties, we're pretty much plaid. None of us are really all blue, all red. So when you hear somebody say, turn the country blue, what does that mean? We don't want to serve the people who feel differently. And this is coming from a Christian, you know, who who believes that the epitome of Christianity is to be able to lead and serve others who do not believe like you, who do not walk out their life like you do. And that's what we need to see. We don't need to see manipulative religion, At the top, we need to see um, leadership that really believes in the value of every single human being.
0: And, you know, the, the religion talk It's so funny for the demographics, because there are certain things you can talk to, you know, if you talk to black folk and you go in the church and you talk about, you know, anything that's not traditional marriage, you're pretty much going to sway that audience, except the keyboard player, who is still going to clap, uh, and, you know, or the choir director, and, and you, you guys get what I'm saying, the, the way they divide us, and I, I've done, you know, church professionally, I actually I had to reach for for my book that I wrote about the entertainment industry wow. in, in, in church and the reason I wrote the book is because everything that happens we know you know inside the church it's not all just roses there's you're dealing with people and folks are multifaceted um, a lot of us are, are hypocrites I would say majority of us you know yeah. we what we hate is what we love to do but, you know, in, in politics, they want you to play a certain game. So I love that, that you're, you're doing it that way. far as getting on the stages, I mean, I know the media is going to hate. Getting on the stages is, uh, you know, dang near impossible, even if you're Bernie Sanders too, with the following, yeah. what are you going to do to attract the people when they won't let you on the stage?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I plan to be on the stage. You have to pull at 15% to make it onto the debate stage come yeah. the fall. And, you know, we're excited at who is looking this way. You know, I, I'm being coy about some of the donors that I believe are going to become our backers uh, very soon. I'm excited about it because it's not just me feeling this way. You know, when I coach people, I say you, you start by looking around. You look for the voids around you you say, do my skills, talents, abilities, background, unique experience help me fill this void? And if you do, you are obligated to jump in. Now, does that mean everybody is going to run for president? I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy in many ways, but it's the most rewarding thing because I know that I'm doing what's necessary at the time. You know, the win will be up to the people at the end of the day. The exposure, of course, um, the media, you think it's it's up to them, but we are looking for different ways to go around that. We're using social media and we're connecting to the different demographics that want to hear what we have to say. And I love that you're touching on all the, the hot topics, you know, you threw those darts out there with the church and just moved on, but let's, let's, let's go back a little bit because, you know, one thing that I think people are waking up to um, what you say about the black church specifically, I don't know if that holds true anymore because most black churches align on the left. And the LGBTQ plus community Mm -hmm. is a large majority of the left. And so you see a lot of people. Here's what I believe. I believe most individuals personally probably move in conservative ways, right? They wouldn't be out there. They're not extra. They're not doing anything wild. They're mostly living traditional lives to their own rhythm. But most of us, if we're human, have interactions with people who live very differently. We have children who come out as gay, we have, um, you know, loved ones, uh, you know, that do things differently than we do that, that are Muslim, whatever. So what happens is by, by the, by the, by being human, we end up interacting and loving people who do things differently. You know, I've, we have friends who've had abortions. So you develop a compassion and a connection with people who do things very differently than you do. If we admit that it allows us to do what? Honor those people. Right. I'm not going to define marriage the same way that the LGBTQ plus community does. But that doesn't mean that as their leader, I don't demand protection, don't demand that that they should not be discriminated against just because we define a word differently, a principle differently. And so I think that's what's going to be important now is to disagree powerfully. And when I say that, I mean, we should be honoring each other honor. uh, A recent new friend of mine, a pastor, says this honor does not mean agreement. In fact, honor is best used in disagreement. Can I disagree with you, still look at you, see you as God's creation, love you regardless of how you live out your life, and then vow to protect you and serve you and lead you anyway? And that's what we don't see on either side, on either side.
0: No, definitely. Definitely. um, I can definitely I live outside of the box or inside that middle just because with with travels too. I find that since 70% of Americans don't have a passport, and they don't get to see how the rest of the world what their norm is, it it puts you in this box of Oh, this is normal, or this is abnormal, where, you know, people see here, folks that And you can see this even in politics, people, you know, folks getting caught up in scandal and you find out the couple are swingers, but they were finding swingers until the news found out about it. But then if you go outside of, you know, America, you'll find that, go to Iceland one time and you'll hear the women say, I don't want to get married. I kind of like having my options open. Mm. Or you can go to different countries um, on the continent of Africa. My father-in-law, he grew up. His, his father had over 40 wives, um, he, he stopped counting after a while, and that was the norm, he would not wish that on his worst enemy, because he says, you know, even as privilege, it creates a lot of, I mean, murder, at the end of the day, people are trying to literally kill, you know, one another, but that can be, be you know, a, a norm, but we have to look what is our normal, and can we accept somebody else's? And I even have issues. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes some things are just too. And that's okay.
1: <laughs> that is okay. And that is, I think, the culture. You look at how President Trump got elected. Um, listen, my father's a civil rights activist. Um, everything to him is black and white. Everything is either racism or it's not, period, right? That's how he sees things. I see in a, in a few more shades of gray than that. So he will say to you, everybody who voted for Trump is racist. Well, I go to church with people that I know voted for Trump, and I know they're not racist. But you look at the dynamics that happen. You have a majority of of white people who are watching their country as they see it change in front of their eyes. They are wondering, are we still going to have a certain position of power, a certain position of privilege? For any demographic, that shift is scary. We are used, and we, for those who are listening in, we as African-Americans are used to having to get in where we fit in. We know what it's like to have to scrape, to climb, to to be in the room and still have to jump higher and run faster. We're not as threatened because we're busy. We're not even thinking about replacing them. We're just trying to get to a place of breakthrough for ourselves. But you have these differences in perception. And what Trump did masterfully was he manipulated um, paranoia, He manipulated frustration. You also had for Christians on that side who felt like if they said what you said, Kellen, I just don't agree. I just can't get with that. They were called bigoted, backwards, uh, xenophobe, homophobe, just if they said, I don't agree. And so they found their voice with a man, ironically, who does not reflect one fruit of the spirit, couldn't quote you scripture to save his life, probably And doesn't live a life that walks out on this earth looking like Christ. But they had to find a savior in that because nobody was speaking up for people of faith on the other side. And so you have people who, for whatever reason, again, out of fear, feel like they have to settle for these options that don't truly represent who they are.
0: Yeah. In the, in the settlement, what you don't agree in, you don't have to, you know, you get a choice to choose your tribe. Seth Godwin talks about this in his, one of his books. Uh, yeah. Finding your tribe. Find your tribe. And I'll tell you, you got my vote because Trump wasn't getting it.
1: Biden wasn't getting it. <laughs> why not, uh, Kellen? Why wasn't Biden getting it? Be- because people um, are telling me, you're going to mess up Biden. We need to line up behind Biden. When they say we, they mean black people. Why are you not? Why Why does he not? grabbed your heart because he's not
0: giving us anything any t- anything we can touch. We have no no tangibles, his past record, I'm not impressed. His smile, I'm not impressed. I because I've worked on the hill and I understand that, you know, he's a figurehead and the behind the scenes players don't change in DC no matter what. It's almost like you get killed before you get changed. And I the way that I was I had a master's degree and I chose to go intern on the Hill and to go to every meeting and to see how things are. I see why the country is the way it is. I I personally have exit plans and I have investment out of this country for that. But those are things that I felt at 12 that have just matured where I'm like, I'm going to go where I'm treated best. I'm not going to sit around and try to fight for something that I don't think that's going to change in my lifetime. But Biden, I'm just not impressed. And I like how you do. You can, the middle ground is where I live in because you can do whatever you want to do as long as you're not harming other people. And being, I've worked in government and I've worked even as a CPS investigator and to see how Mm. poor people get called on CPS yeah. and when rich people get called, all they do is call their lawyer, and the case is yeah. pretty much closed unless yeah. you know you've had a police report or something. But yeah. I, the system is totally broken.
1: Um, even homelessness and how to feed people. I, I think we can't, we can't keep we can't keep saying we're the wealthiest nation in the world and have no. the numbers of homelessness that we have. First of all, it's not it's statistically not true. We're not the wealthiest nation. And I also I also think the other thing that's that's damaging. What you're talking about is not having. I almost made the mistake of saying having a voice for the least of these. We got a voice. That's why I take issue with, with a plan even called Lift Every Voice. We don't need another anthem. Our vo- we've been lifting our voices since the beginning of time. We've been hollering since the beginning of time, and yelling hasn't done us anything. We need breakthrough. Black America needs breakthrough. Here's why I can say that powerfully and, and still believe that we don't have to pit Black against white. You know, you're talking to a classical pianist. My entire <laughs> upbringing, I was the one in the room, right? <laughs> but the difference between me and let's say a Candace Owens is that she gets off on being the pet in that group, that there, there's a demographic that lifts her up because she thinks like they do. It would be more powerful if she were in that room and causing people to think differently. So my entire career has been in challenging perceptions, and stereotypes, so that if I'm the only one in the room, my next question to the presenter is, how do we get more in here? You know, I'm one of the most sought-after female speakers right now in the country. As a Black woman, in most of the rooms I go into are full of white men. I have met incredible CEOs who run some of the most demonized industries, the insurance world, the pharmaceutical world. They are not all bad guys. That's why I had an issue with the way that Elizabeth Warren talked Because had she been uh, running still, remember, she always demonized corporations, demonized CEOs, demonized the wealthy. When when COVID hit, it was the wealthy and the most innovative that were saving us from a lot of these situations. We had to depend on these same corporations. There's a new language we must be speaking that doesn't pit wealthy against poor. It shows poor people, first of all, helps them. We talked about the economy. You can't keep defining the health of the economy me on the stock market and the GDP, right? The gross domestic, most people's finances are gross right now. They got to figure out how to get to the next trip to the stock, to the market, right? Yeah. So you're defining on things that mo- they're not even relevant. We want to define economic health in this country. It should be on if the majority of Americans have food, food water, shelter. If we've got people without running water in the middle of COVID 19, Shame on us, shame on us. You're, so we need to be building a pathway out of poverty. The same time, I believe in powerful partnership with uh, billionaire corporations. A lot of them bring me in to create transformation in their people, their most valuable resource. I know that they don't have to be the bad guy, but they have to be incentivized and we have to have powerful partnerships. You've got a president right now that is beholden to corporations and to the wealthy because he was one out in the regular world. And if you looked at how he did business, all of his deals benefited him and nobody else. So right now, all of his deals will always benefit him, his friends, and nobody else. We saw that with the way things shook out in the stimulus. And that wasn't just because of the president, because Democrats were in the room reading that same bill, and somehow small businesses still got left out at the end of the day. So it's a whole new conversation. It's bigger than being in the middle Kellen, it's about really now speaking for the majority of Americans who feel like you and I do, that the same people get served over and over. And it doesn't mean that you have to pit one side against the other. Imagine if all of us who felt this way actually joined together. It'd be the largest political party uh, in the history of the country, and I believe the most powerful.
0: And, and I, hear, I hear some hater voices. Um, And I'm hearing them, you know, I get the ding-ding sometimes. And I'm going to address something that they would address. But I I, I want to... I want to tap into homelessness and feeding people after I address the haters. And the haters will say, "Well, if you guys really knew how politics work, it's not the popular vote. You need the electoral college. How are you going to get those people to, you know, put their bid in? What is your plan for that? Because those folks are voted in and elected by, you know, the folks that we
1: think represent us locally." Yeah. Most of us don't, don't, we don't, you know, the average American, myself included, don't Mm. really understand how that electoral process works. Mm. And so we had to do some serious research. Here's what's so exciting running as an independent. As an independent, let's say if I were running with the Democratic Party, I'd have to first win that nomination, right? Which we saw, Mm. they had already decided who was going to win that nomination. So you have to win that nomination, and then the Democratic Party has electors for each state. That's something they do as a system. Same on the right. Trump said, we're not even having primaries, so y'all can't even run against me if you want. As an independent, I register in each state. I bring to the table my own slate of electors. So when we win the popular vote here in Texas, they go to my electors who cast their vote for me. So it's not that I have to hijack anybody's electors. I don't have to convince anybody. The people that we already have in our corner serve as our electors. They'll be registered right along me. So here's how we're running so people know. We uh, will be a registered, people are wondering if you run as a write-in. People will say, I love Bernie. I'm just going to write him in. Well, you can write him in, but the vote won't count because Bernie is registered as a Democratic presidential candidate. He's not a registered write-in. We are running as a registered write-in in 41 of the states. That means that when you go and write in Jade Simmons, it counts. And when we win the popular vote in your state, my electors cast their vote for me, and then we win the state, just like with the other parties, but we actually have an easier road in that way. Here's where it gets a little bit tougher. In eight of the states that don't allow uh, write-in votes, we are actually running as an unaffiliated independent, which means we need signatures to be on the ballot in those states. We've just started that process now. Uh, You can imagine, due to COVID, you can't go knocking on doors like you used to, but we're able to distribute a lot of things electronically. So if people want to find out more. If, if you're like Kellen and you're hearing this and going, you know what, this makes some sense here. You're going to go to OperationRestoration2020.com and we are uh, launching our get on the ballot initiative right now in those eight states. And then all you got to do is rest easy. Know that when you go to uh, the ballot in November, when you write my name in, it actually counts. Versus if you wrote in Mickey Mouse or even uh, Bernie <laughs> So So we know what we're doing. We've done our due diligence. If I felt like people putting their vote in me um, meant that it didn't count, we wouldn't do it. That would be sabotaging the system. But we believe that it's not a wasted vote when you're finally able to vote for someone you actually believe in versus someone you're settling for, when you're voting for something and not just against something. So we're excited to offer this powerful alternative to many Americans
0: how expensive is that to get on you know every state ballot like what so far in the campaign give us a roundabout what that costs to even get this far
1: it just depends on how you how you want to do it you know we decided we made a strategic uh, decision early on to do registered write-in because it doesn't cost in the same way that gathering signatures does you know i think when ross perot ran um, you look at the cost of gathering signatures. You can pay $2 a, a signature, meaning having, paying somebody to go out and get signatures for you. Here is the golden um, opportunity that came in the midst of COVID. I've been saying to everybody, you know, when, when you're in the middle of these dark seasons, God is so gracious. He will always send you all these lessons, moments for reflection, opportunities to, to upgrade. And we saw an advantage because everybody's virtual right now, we have captive audiences, it almost levels the playing field in many ways. I feel um, very at ease in this platform. You know how much money we save as a campaign? Because we we had already had all these events planned. That was going to cost us gazillions of dollars, right? Millions of dollars. Um, but literally, because we can't, we had to innovate. So we've been online pretty seriously now since the beginning of COVID able to really directly target the demographics that we believe want to hear from us the most versus going to a city and hoping, right, that people come out hoping they know about you, we can directly target. So it, it could be a very expensive venture. Since we decided to do uh, get on the ballot itself as an independent only in eight states, that, as you can imagine, slices our price, uh, our price tag down uh, dramatically. So we're, we're depending on a, a large voter education effort, which is why I thank you again, and letting people know that when they write in, um, it actually counts. And it's a powerful voice, voice, a vote that tells uh, the rest of the country that you're not, nobody's entitled to your vote. And until you see somebody who really represents you, you're holding your decision. You're, I, th- I think it was Diddy who the other day said he'll hold it hostage. Right? You know, he was like, you know, you're not entitled to my vote. Uh, that he'll hold it hostage, and and we're we're happy to see other Americans standing up for themselves in that way.
0: Now there are going to be people out there because the way you media trained and didn't answer that question. You answered didn't it. did I answer it? You know, what did
1: you ask me? How no, much? No,
0: I, I wanted to know the 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 the. You know, is it hundreds of thousands or millions of running a campaign?
1: Okay, um, but, let me, let me no, I, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to skim the question. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, no, 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 so no, no. If, no. if were going to no. do, right, you I'm going to say, we're going to do balance. Okay. Okay. You
0: gave a great answer. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll right. leave, we'll leave it at that because <laughs> I, I love, you know, I'm a, I'm a PR guy. So, yeah <laughs> and, and I would, I would just wanted to know. But I want folks to do their research too and understand when someone's talking why sometimes you can't give just the amount of money because it's forever going and the way that you are doing it is new. I mean, no one's done it like that. Yeah.
1: So no you know, one, no that- one's done it like this before. We, we will spend, um, we're trying to spend as little as possible. Mm-hmm. We really want to feel like the money that comes in is intentional where we will spend the bulk of our money will be later um, in the summer when it comes to television, that's where the money, that's where it really costs the money. You're paying per minute for these ads, you're paying for production. And so, you know, I would love to be the campaign that spends no more than $10 million. I would love to be the campaign that does that. You're looking at, I think Biden and Trump just raised $60 million, you know, during COVID right now. But you have to say, wh- where's that money going? All those campaigns that are no longer existing spent millions of dollars. Where did that Money go. It just goes nowhere, and we want people to feel like they're investing in something. So the truth is, Kellen, we we don't know what the end price tag is going to be. We're trying to keep it down as small as possible, and we want to go down in history as being the least expensive campaign that was successful.
0: So let let me ask you this, because this is the question everyone would want to know from their new leader: What would you do? Um, during these COVID times? Would we lock down? Would we do like Sweden where we just do the herd immunity? What would have been your plan going forward?
1: Yeah, so we need another hour, but let me give you my condensed version (laughs) here. I've been following COVID since the beginning of December. I didn't understand why I was following it on Global News Podcast and wasn't hearing about it in my own country. So when I started listening, there were only six people dead in the entire world. And right before that, they didn't even know if the species could make if it could make the species jump from animal to human. So I've been I've been in this thing from the beginning. And China was not forthcoming in the beginning. So there is some reckoning that has to happen. Now we talk about what would I do now? Because all people care about is what happens now. Here's what I believe. I believe we reopen too soon. And that's not based on timeline, it's based on information. We didn't have the information and the setup to open powerfully. My concern is that what we did was give Americans false hope and we may end up having the shutdown again. <laughs> and that talk about being a real hit to the economy. So what I would have done, let's back up, let's say we're at the peak now. What I would have wanted to see and made sure we would have had before we said we are open is that we needed to have at least the capability to test half a million people every day. South Korea was so brilliant. And by the way, they never shut down because they had testing on the front end. So they always knew who was sick and who was not. You didn't have to look sick, you got to test anyway. That way they knew who to quarantine. And so we need to be testing half a million a day. Um, We were testing around 150,000 a day when we reopened. That was way too small. I would also first go back and fund public health in the state and local levels. We need to hire about 30,000 new people Right now, their sole job is testing and tracing those who got tested. And then we actually don't have to wait to jumpstart the economy. We could have jumpstarted the economy while we were shut down with something I called ongoing emergency preparation. You know, you take the people who were fired, let off, furloughed recently, you rehire them in the business of ongoing emergency preparation. We had to outsource to China and Mexico to get our own emergency equipment. We should have been reopening our own factories. This is now going to tell us our American companies have to come back to America because the reason the delay happened, the reason the Defense Production Act worked, couldn't really work is because their, their buildings were on other shores. And so we lost time, we lost money, and we lost people because we weren't even here in America. We're busy telling Americans to buy American, and we don't buy American. I'm going to just let that sit for a second there. We're busy telling Americans to buy American. And we don't buy American. So I believe one of the first things we have to do, because these jobs, nobody wants to say it, and this is an inspirational speaker telling you a hard truth, they're not coming back in the same way. They're not coming back in the same way. Twitter already said, hey, we realize we can do this thing from home. They're not coming back. Companies are getting smart. They're seeing they were spending too much in overhead. I also believe they're going to see, you know what, we would have actually saved money If we had more of our building stateside, we could have reproduced really quickly. They spent a ton to get that product to us. So I think right now we need a new industry. We need to be all those corporations we bailed out, Kellen. We do really good by these corporations. We don't ask anything in return. Those should be the first corporations signing on to do paid apprenticeship, extensive on the job training so that they don't have to outsource labor. And they will tell you, oh, we do that because the Asians are really good at making innovative product. No, we don't believe that. Americans can be trained to do the same thing, and you can hire the people who were just fired. So put them right back to work. We have to make sure our workers are safe. We didn't give our healthcare workers time to heal. We have healthcare workers committing suicide right now. So the reopening, you know, in a libertarian standpoint, you hear them say it's my right to do what I want to do. It's your right to do what you want to do. It's not your right to harm me in the process. And my concern is that we, instead of practicing self-sacrifice, we're sacrificing people. And, and yeah. that's backwards. So it's backwards. So, so I would have I held off. Um, my viewpoint changed in terms of timing. I really just thought it was too early, period, because of the virus. Uh, but my advisors are saying, look, no, we do need that herd immunity. But we've, we've got to know who's got what. We've got to know who fits in what category so we can continue to quarantine safely. We also gave no real regulations for restaurants. We just went somewhere the other day. I won't name the restaurant. They weren't socially distancing. They weren't at 25% capacity. You know, so wow. when people hear you say, um, what happened was the president didn't want to take ownership. Uh, very smart on his team to advise them to do it that way, right? just politically, strategically speaking. So in one day, you hear him say, I'm completely in charge. I make all the rules. The next day, you guys do what you want. Because the advisors are like, let them, let them do what they want. So when it doesn't work, you don't get the blame for it. As a result, you had misinformation. We didn't work together as a country. Um, we should have been working together state by state. We should have been on the same page. Even universally, the head of the, um, uh, the UN is saying, shame on us for how we behaved. As separate nations, we, we could have been solving this together as we went along. And we did it. So I would do things differently. I'd have more international communication. Um, and I would make sure that our Americans were safe to reopen. They, they might be mad right in the beginning, as you, you make it last a, a few more weeks, but they're not going to be sad in the end because more people died because we didn't do what we had to do.
0: Yeah, they might be, you know, mad running out there with guns until they're met with, you know, military with bigger guns and they would have went right back into their how homes. Um, but it also goes to, you know, again, homelessness and food. I I've I've talked with deputy mayors and we've we've talked with various people as organizations, and it's just so amazing how Or, um, you know, the government doesn't really want to fix that problem. You can say, hey, why don't we do what we did in college and feed the people with the excess food that companies throw away and just give them, you know, um, no liability if people get sick and you'll have governments, people, they'll tell you, oh, no, because then they'll just drive up food prices even more are mass produce And I'm like, wait, you mean they'll throw away food in bigger ways to feed more people that need it? And it's not just homeless. It's also, you know, folks, college students, people right now who are broke making food lines. But it seems a lot of times government doesn't want to fix problems. You seem to have, um, you want to
1: fix problems. You just don't want to put a Band-Aid on it. You actually want to, you know, sew things up. But let's be honest. About why you know there are some things we say government doesn't want to do it. Well, let's let's ask ourselves why. You know why they don't want to do student loan forgiveness? Because they own the debt. Why would you take money out of your own pocket? You're not gonna see a lot of progress on that. The way that I propose is we do incentivize student loan forgiveness. We're gonna need more healthcare workers after this. We're gonna need more teachers, right? Start there. Incentivize people would be in an industry that the country sorely needs you're going to get less debate less argument because we know we need it if you just say let everybody go to school free that's going to create a different kind of argument right but if you say listen i want doctors to come out and be able to work in underserved communities and not have to go into expensive specialized care just so they can pay their bill you see what i'm saying it has to be it has to be smart so when people say how are you qualified as an artist i'm a creative not just a musician i'm a cre- creative. My brain is wired to think of solutions that others haven't. It's also wired to collaborate. We certainly need collaboration. You talk about that homeless issue. Let's, let's keep it real. Why is nobody campaigning on homelessness? You know you were on the Hill. Homeless people don't vote. Why are you going to waste ad space talking to people who are never going to go to the polls on your behalf? I believe a true, a true leader serves especially the people who will never find time, or make it a priority to go vote because they're too busy trying to survive, right? So you have to first reshape the entire discussion on how we value people. The problem is, and this is not just government, it's us right here as individuals, we see past homeless people. We don't acknowledge them. We, we instinctively, subconsciously think of them as less than us, as they're slackers somehow. They're crazy. We have all these reasons to give ourselves excuses not to care. No, we didn't do those. We should have cared because when COVID hit, whenever you have an epidemic, it spreads the farthest and the widest amongst the poor. So you better believe there are still undiagnosed cases of COVID-19 right now amongst our homeless community, that we're going to get started back up, reopen, go party for the summer and get sick again because we didn't care for these people. That's an ironic uh, piece of karma right there. So I think we have to look at the fact that the reason we don't address issues is because We don't really care about the people because they can't serve us. And if you elect another politician, you know, they're going to have to first serve the corporations they're beholden to, first serve the big donors, right? But if you get someone who's elected by the people and who literally comes from the people, a mother, a wife, a small business owner who also did not get her small business loan on time, you better believe that I'm fighting with you, not just for you. You don't need somebody to fight for you. You're fighting for yourself just fine. You need somebody to fight with you who's been with you in all of the situations.
0: Wow, wow. You you, you bring me, I'm thinking of like Luke 24 16. Oh. You. They won't recognize Jesus. um, they didn't recognize him you know the <laughs> first time, but it it's I, I'm getting getting those vibes that they people don't understand the jewels that you are really laying down, and I want to tell people, I could talk to you all day long, but I'm gonna save some of this for my influencer. So I want you guys to make sure you follow you know Jade on her social media. Follow, you guys know who I re- represent and, and some of the people, you know, inbox me if you don't, but I want you to follow her because this is only just going to get more traction. I saw her, you know, on Houston, you know, she was she was giving it the real deal right there in Houston um, on the news, you know, major news, and I'm glad that, what was it, Isaiah? Uh, yeah, Isaiah Carey. Yeah, yeah, Isaiah mm-hmm. Carey, mm-hmm. excuse me. You know, That's right. you, you, you are a spark and I want to, I want to, be respectful of the time, and in this, asking you the question I ask everybody, and you've answered it all through this interview, but just give me me something. What is your community give back that you're doing or that you wanna do in the future, if this wasn't enough?
1: Yeah, you know what? There is something that I say on every stage, and it's that your purpose is not the thing you do. It's the thing that happens in others when you do what you do. And I have made it a life's mission to ignite purpose. You said spark. I, I love that word. To ignite purpose in people because it's purpose that makes a concert pianist turn professional speaker, turn minister decide she should throw her hat in the ring. Not for a career move. This is, by the way, the exact opposite of a career move. People have been accusing me. It's the opposite. We have less engagements now that we're doing this, right? Um, this is not about personal ambition. Those, those of you who are people of faith know what i mean when you say when you've been given a call when you've been given an assignment i dare you to dive forth into it and answer it so the community give back one of the things that i would love to do as president is to see purpose reignited in every individual i want to see you know more kellens arising more leaders we would love to see more independent people jump into government now and say you know what if she's doing that you know i can at least run for city council. I can at least run for school board and believe they have what it takes. A lot of people disqualify themselves before they're actually disqualified. And so my community give back is that intangible in the sense of if just my presence and my message causes other people to stop sitting on the thing they were called to do. We've already got victory.
0: Blessings. We, with that, you guys, follower, follow the campaign. It's our campaign because the more that we do, the more that, you know, our our values are are brought up. I thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you. They can find us at operationrestoration2020.com. My name is Jade Simmons. You'll see us all the same handles, Operation Restoration 2020. And we'd love for you to join the team. If you feel like Kellen, and this sounds like you, you're going to text restore to 33777 and we're going to hook you up with purpose and passion and uh we'd love for you to help be the wind beneath the wings of this campaign
0: amen to all of that we definitely we're going to see more of you thank you very much you guys like share and subscribe peace and bless